Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am the Chief of Police here in the city of Pittsfield, and I'm one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly radio show. I am joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Cops Bureau Commander. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. And also joining us this morning are Officer Brenna Dorr and her field training probationer, Officer Julian Bernal. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Chief. We're Lieutenant, I forgot to date stamp the program again. Uh, April. Today is Friday, <laughs> April 9th, 2021. And this is another new and live episode. Uh, the last couple of weeks have, have caused us to re-air some previous episodes because of some travel and training, but we're, we're all here this morning. Uh, if you're listening to us on the radio, thanks for tuning in. If you're watching on television, thanks for tuning in. And if your habit has been to follow us after the show airs as a podcast, uh, thanks for, for subscribing to our podcast, which is available on all common podcast platforms. Um, so a couple news articles. Wait a minute. Before the news articles, Lieutenant, I think this is the first time in about two months I don't have to give my I'm done with the winter weather thing. I think we've turned the corner. We're here. This is awesome. This week has been glorious. I had to take the trash out this morning, and I did it in shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> I was very happy. <laughs> All right. So um, news articles. I don't want to belabor this because I'm kind of excited to get into the conversation with our guests this morning for a couple different reasons. Um, but a couple of news articles I just wanted to draw your attention to. Uh, one article in this morning's paper, uh, the Berkshire Eagle. It's about the vacancy for the police chief in Williamstown. Um, and, and reading it and rereading it, they have three candidates for the interim post to kind of step in there while they do the, the larger search. But if I understand this article correctly, they don't currently have any applicants for the permanent post. Um, that's a little frightening. In this day and age for a chief's job in a community that size, of, you know, Williamstown's, Williamstown PD has is, is got some, they've got some stuff going on, but they also have some unbelievable advantages. And um, for that post to not be attracting attention is troubling and problematic. And I don't want to speculate, but I, I would imagine that any chief looking at the the history that has recently occurred in that community would would shy away from it. Um, you know, so I understand why some of the residents took some of the positions that they did, but actions have consequences. And, um, you know, your department, the department needs a chief, right? It's it's one of those things. So they're, they're going to have to work through this somehow. The other interesting thing when it comes to local chiefs is they have good finalists, a pool of finalists for Chief Sorrell's job in Lanesboro. Um, so... We'll see what's going to happen. Um, it, it's it's definitive. Timmy's leaving, right? He was supposed to go last spring, and when the pandemic hit, he stepped up to the plate and decided to stick around to uh, weather the storm. But it's been a year, and he's one year post-retirement planning, so he's going. At the end of June? End of June? Yeah. yeah. The only other news article I wanted to touch on briefly, because I was listening to the radio on the way in here with our friends, uh, partners in crime over at 95.9 Slater and Marjo we gotta figure out a way to get them on the show right we always go over there to go on their show I haven't been on in a long time but 
Darren's always over there. Sean was recently over there. We have to figure out a way to Skype them in here. Uh, they were talking. Uh, actually, it was the Berkshire News Bureau was talking about the school bus accident that was reported in North Adams. Just it doesn't have anything to do with us. I just every time I either see a report like that or I'm on the air and I hear a report that we're responding to a school bus accident, I cringe. Um, even when everybody's happy and healthy, those are just a they're a major undertaking. And I was doing a supervisory class recently, and I was admonishing these new supervisors that every time you go on a multi-vehicle motor vehicle crash where there's police and fire and a tow truck, you should, in your head, turn that into an ICS incident, right? Because it's or it's multi-agency, multi-resource. Um, you had a school bus into the mix, just a couple of vehicles on a school bus full of kids. You better be thinking incident command. <laughs> there's just way too much going on. Um, Lots of chiefs showing up too, right? Because the district owns the bus and, and the responsibility for the students. So lots of competing interests. Yeah. All right. That's enough of the news. Good morning, Brenna. Good morning. Officer Deutsch. Officer, so if the television viewers can see this, right? And Officer Dora is always um, respectful and polite and diplomatic, but she can also be a little sarcastic and facetious. And that big smile... <laughs> is racked with sarcasm, <laughs> no which, way. which I appreciate. I appreciate the honesty. Um, but Officer Dora's uh, here with her probationer, Officer Bernal. Welcome, Officer Bernal. Thank you, Chief. Uh, we're working our way through the current group of new graduates who, uh, if I, the email I saw yesterday is any indication, this weekend will be rolling into phase three. That's right. And we talked about this briefly last week, but I don't want to jinx this. But to have this, the, the entire group progressing on pace, looking to finish field training as scheduled, that's just a breath of fresh air. It's a breath of fresh air for me, and I'm not in the car with them, Brenna. So I, yeah. I would imagine that you're keeping your fingers crossed. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to get these guys cycled through and into solo patrol. Yes. Before summer. That's going to be a huge. Oh, I hope so. That's going to be huge. <laughs> After yesterday, I really, really hope so. Yesterday was a crazy day. Crazy. Chaos. Crazy day. I, today, today is starting out to sound like a it's, crazy day, too. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I dress for the road. We'll see if I can right. we'll see if I can participate in something today. It's not, it's not likely, but we'll try. <laughs> All right. So let's, we've got. 20-some-odd minutes to do this before we switch gears and welcome Staff Sergeant Hunt to the show. I'm going to give you a little bit of a break, Brenna. You've stepped up to the plate numerous times in the past, and you've been here. So we're going to focus on you for a little bit, Officer Bernal. So so let's let's kind of just start with the base. One of the reasons that we bring particularly the our newest officers on, but even when we bring some of our veteran officers on, is... It's this aspect that, you know, we're, we're not just the police. There's, there's more to our personnel than just being the police. So let's just start with your background and your history. Tell, us, tell our listeners where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to school, what your interests are. Yeah, great. So good morning, everyone. Um, so, yes, I'm Julian Bernal I'm from Colombia. Uh, that's South America. I was born and raised there. I came to the United States when I was around 14. And I've been in Pittsfield since. Um, I went to Taconic High School. I went to San Joe High School, and I graduated from Pittsfield High School. Um, Wait a minute. I have to interrupt you here. You attended Taconic. 
and St. Joe, yes, sir. and PHS. Yes, sir. And you, gradu- and you graduated from PHS. I, I did. There are not many people that I've encountered in my life that have attended all three of our no. city's high schools. And St. Joe's not even a school anymore, so that'll never happen again. You get a lot of twos. A several twos, but not very rarely a three. Overachiever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Either that or he was running one step ahead of something. I, we don't have to get into that. Um, so I'm glad I didn't interrupt because usually when somebody tells me they went to Taconic, I'm, I'm quick to you know throw out the, the Braves pride there, but you're, you're a general. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how it ended. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Back to you. So you graduated from PHS. Um, yes, sir. And then I went to BCC uh, for a couple semesters, um, you know, because of life and, you know, income and stuff like that. You know, I, you know, I, I stopped and I, I was working at Hillcrest Educational Center at so that time. Okay. I spent four years there and then I, I moved on to a different field for a little bit. Just wanted to give it up, you know, a break. Um, I did some timeshare. It was an interesting um, job. I bet. <laughs> I was listening to a radio ad on the way in here for a company that gets people out of timeshare contracts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was only there for a little bit. And then, um, you know, I, I think, you know, life just started guiding me towards working with, you know, people that needed those services. So I was, I started working for the Pittsburgh Public Schools um, as a regular substitute and as an interpreter. And then um, little by little, I started getting dragged into, you know, helping the kids that needed more support. Um, and... And then I ended up, uh, after the visit of public schools, I worked for the Elizabeth Freeman Center as a, as a counselor there. I was working in North Adams. And then I started doing a lot of work in the schools around the area, working with some prevention, doing, you know, a lot of uh, almost volunteer. I was, it was during my work hours, but it was, you know, volunteer, just jumping into different high schools and, and you know, helping those kids that needed help. Um, you know, I got a couple of awards in, in North Adams um, for doing that type of work. And then... Um, I worked for the district attorney's office for almost a year and in yep. a couple of months, and then now I'm here. All right, so rewind a little bit. So you took a couple semesters at Berkshire Community College. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if my bride is listening this morning, but that's the third program in a row we got to insert a shout-out for Berkshire Community College, so I'll get extra credit for that again. <laughs> um, but you didn't graduate from Berkshire Community College? No, I didn't, sir. And did you go anywhere else for school? No, my, my goal is to go back to school. You know, it's, it's very important. But sometimes, you know, you get tied up in life. You know, you get bills and, you know, a lot of things. Um, so, you know. All right, well, the lieutenant and I are both going to bang this drum and tell you that, particularly given some of the stuff that we've managed to re-implement in the last couple of years, it's not as good as it was when we came on. But there's no time like the present, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to help you do that. And you're definitely gain uh, significantly, particularly if you go back and you go, go straight through, right? Um, you know, it's it's of significant interest and advantage to the department to have our people continue to pursue their uh, education, but it's lucrative for you, so. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's the plan. No time, no time like now to register. Keep you can the, do it online. Mm-hmm. Keep the momentum going when you're young. That's right. <laughs> so I'm going to digress for a minute here, and I'm going to share this story. And I don't know who the person is, and I, I don't want to cause them any undue embarrassment. But I got a text earlier this week, and um, it was it was from my wife, and basically what she shared with me is somebody had gone to the Berkshire Community College's website and completely filled in the online application, the online student application. Unfortunately, they had no intention of going back to college. They were trying to sign up for a vaccine, and they got directed to the wrong website and 
essentially completed a college application. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think you were accepted, so if you have any interest in yeah. that. They're <laughs> you're, waiting for your call. Your, your acceptance package is waiting for you. <laughs> and while you're on campus, uh, sign up to get the vaccine. I, I, it's not funny. Right? They must have been incredibly frustrated. All right. Okay, so tell me, so I know a little bit about the work that you did with the Elizabeth Freeman Center. Um, I wasn't aware of the amount of time that you spent in the Pittsfield Public Schools. So you said a couple of things that I'm curious about. One was, so when you were with Hillcrest in direct care? Uh, in different positions. So I started at direct care, then I started working as an assistant, uh, teacher assistant. Okay. Then I was an acting teacher. Then I was an acting, uh, assistant supervisor. And then towards the end, I was um, an acting supervisor. Which campuses? Uh, the center campus okay. in Linux. And, and so I just wanted to parse that out a little bit because we have many, I can't put a handle on it, we have many employees, particularly sworn employees, who have spent time um, at Hillcrest Educational Center in various roles on the various campuses. And that is a tough population to work with. Um, requires an incredible amount of patience and empathy and unbelievable development of communications to be successful there. So most of our people who come from Hillcrest, uh, and we have other professional tracks that transfer to us, but most of our people who come from Hillcrest do incredibly well. So then you mentioned that you were an interpreter in the Pittsfield Public Schools? I was. Shame on me for not even ever thinking and recognizing that that would be a necessary position. I mean, I know there's plenty of students in our Pittsfield Public Schools that English is a second language and that they need some assistance, but I, can't, I guess in my mind, not having been in a classroom in so long, I would have thought that you know, it was beyond the teacher to, to speak their given language, and that would be how the communication was done. It, I wasn't aware that we had interpreters, so that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a you know it's a population that's growing, and I feel like you know that's what the kids need. Sometimes you know you have ESL teachers that are from a different area, so the communication it's you know it's a struggle for the students that are also trying to learn. Okay. So this is a little upsetting for me to say this, but I remember when Julian and his sister came to Taconic, and at the time, and I'm saying I'm embarrassed because I remember when you were 14 like it was yesterday. <laughs> And I'm sorry, Lieutenant, I highly <laughs> doubt that. <laughs> it's just time flies. But I, I remember how you spoke very little English when you came in. And then, you know, it just, you know, it's a, I think it's a testament to the school system, a testament to you, um, you know, that, that you have, you know, assimilated so successfully. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, Lieutenant, I always wonder if you remember me, because I do remember you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I yeah. was curious to see. You know. <laughs> yeah. Experience has shown us that our school resource officers and our DARE officers remember many more students than the students would actually believe. Hmm. All right. So tell us a little bit about your work at the Elizabeth Freeman Center, uh, who you know is a community partner that we should recognize strongly this month. I mean, every month, but particularly this month, because it is... Um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So tell us a little bit about your work at the EFC and then your work at the DA's office. Great. So, yeah, so at the Elizabeth Freeman Center, it was, it was a challenging job at the beginning because I was the only male counselor. And not only that, but I was in North Adams. Adding to my background, adding to my gender, it was, it was, it was different. Um, so at the beginning, you know, it was questionable to see if I was doing good or not so good, you know. Um, 
and then I, I took the challenge, you know, and then I started learning different ways to, to be able to connect with these victims. Most of the times were females. Um, and then uh, I became really passionate with the work and I started asking the executive director of Genesis if I could do more. And she's like, sure, you know, so then I explained to her what I wanted to do, my focus on the youth and how that's important to, to kind of break those cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and not many people can work with youth. That's, you know, sometimes that's a scary feel for people. And that includes educators, anybody in the community. Sometimes, you know, they don't want to cross that line. But it is important because sometimes you do see younger generations, you know, heading towards a bad path, but nobody intervenes the right way. Um, so I started working for the schools, you know, and, and as I mentioned before, you know, I started expanding. I, not only did I work in one school, but I went to Mount Greylock. I went to Hoosick. I went to um, Jury. I went to Bart. And I started working closely with the adjustment counselors. And they were the ones that were referred students to me. And then it was up to me to build that relationship with the kids so they can tell me what's going on, how to guide them correctly. And if they needed services, then, you know, I was there for them. So it's a couple of different points out of that. And, you know, we sometimes we talk about cycles of violence or the cycles of victimology. And I know we try to move away from, like, the victimology approach. But if... A person is in an abusive relationship when they're in their developmental years, when you know when they're adolescent. It, there's a real good chance that that cycle is going to continue, that um, pattern is going to continue into their adult years, and it'll be much more entrenched and much more difficult for us to to break them out of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's critical work doing domestic violence and sexual assault recognition and prevention with school age, uh, and can't be easy work. No, it's difficult because, yeah. you know, the survivors are watching you. How, yeah. how, how are you taking in their story? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, that's from starters. Um, and aside from that, in the afternoon, so that, that was my morning work. And then the afternoons, I'll go back to the office and I'll start meeting with uh, adults. And I had a couple of families that they would come in a group. And they would wait, you know, it was back to back. Generational. Yeah. And so you, you said it, and you kind of just said it in passing. You, you were a domestic violence counselor with a largely female caseload, but you're a male counselor. That has to be incredibly challenging, too, to gain trust and establish rapport. Yes, it, it was a challenge. And that's, you know, at the beginning, I, I questioned the job. You know, I knew what I put myself into. But once you get that victim, you know, looking at you and walking away like, no, I'm OK, I don't want services. Um, you know, I, I felt forced that I needed to make that change. I needed to be one. of, And, and even, you know. Not getting off topic, but even going to trainings and, and, and you know, conferences, stuff like that. Sometimes there was only a couple males. Yeah, be, being the minority in the room. Right, right. right. All right, so that, that experience is going to, if it has not already, that experience is going to prove invaluable to you in your career and your development as a police officer. Okay. Um, I forgot to ask when we were talking about your time in school. What would you do, you know? Besides going to school, multiple schools, what do you do, like, recreationally when you're in school? What do you do when you're not working or, you know, what do you do to relax? Um, okay, so so back then I was I used to play a lot of sports. I played ice hockey. I was the only Hispanic playing ice hockey. I, I don't think I ever saw another Hispanic playing hockey. <laughs> but it was it was a great experience. And I was, Did you know about ice hockey when you came here from nope, Colombia? No. Nope. So you learned about it here. And I just, did. That was the sport you picked. No, it was soccer. My, my, my strength was soccer, but my dad wanted to, you know, put me in different sports. And, and you know, we tried hockey and it, and it worked. You know, I was it's not like my maybe it was my team that wasn't so great. And I was able to, you know, <laughs> it looked like the good yeah, one. Pure athleticism. <laughs> Sometimes athleticism matters. The second hockey player we've had in a couple of weeks, right? 
Yeah. We have to ship these guys down to Springfield. We got to figure out when the when the adult leagues start playing again. Yeah. And then um and then I started just developing, you know, different habits throughout the years, you know, I'm I'm artistic. I like to, you know, draw, I can, you know, I like to do clay. But uh, over the years, you know, especially because the type of work that I was doing, I had to develop some sort of, you know, self-care and different habits. I like to go to the gym. I do. I, I have dogs, so I like to go for hikes. Um, just active, you know. You got to take care of yourself, you know. Did, did you just say clay? Yes, clay. Like you're a sculptor? Yes. <laughs> Cop, jock, hockey jock, sculptor. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Right? And that's the reason we have these conversations, because you're – you're a big dude, right? Somebody who interacts with you in the community is not going to say, when he's not working, this guy's got some soft jazz playing and he's making a statue. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it, and I have a little dog as well. So <laughs> they think I have a pit bull or something. I, I have a shih tzu. <laughs> this is awesome. All right. So we haven't talked anything about uh, your law enforcement experience yet. And I want to I lead into your experience with us up until this point by framing it from a different perspective. So you grew up in Colombia. I did. Law enforcement in Colombia is a little bit different. It is. And you come here as a young man, as an immigrant, and eventually you decide you want to join the law enforcement profession. How did that journey look for you? Having come, in, having come from a country with a completely different look at law enforcement, what made you decide you want to be a police officer? Uh, you know, I think it's based on life experiences. And, and I remember in the academy, um, Officer Mungin told us that it's a profession that sometimes you get called for. It might happen randomly. It might be, you know, within you, something, something sparks. And I feel like, you know, throughout my work uh, in the community and stuff like that, you know, that something sparked and I was like, I, I need to be there. You know, sometimes it, it, my belief is that if you want to make a change, you need to be inside of those systems that want, you know, you want the change to happen. Um, you know, sometimes I believe, especially with different departments, like the police department, I think it's good to have diversity nowadays. Uh, not only to connect, you know, the same ethnicities, but just sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes, uh, you know, that's 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 very neat and that's very helpful. So um, that's that's what drew me into this work. Um, it, it was not an easy task. You know? <laughs> it never so, is. How many times did you have to take the civil service exam? Oh, just once. Just the once. He says it like yeah, it's just, once, just, once. just once. Just one time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like you're you're one of two in your groups that only had to take it. That's once, all I needed. Right? Yeah. yeah, just the one time. <laughs> just the one time. <laughs> Everybody else takes it two or three times. But the, the hard process was the academy. You know, the language barrier. You know, learning a new a new language, pretty much. You know, um, not English. Police, right? Po yeah, police speak right. jargon. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that 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 was the hardest part too. You know, I think. Uh, you know, it's gonna pay it off. Uh, it's already paying off, you know, I'm, I'm already in the street, I'm already communicating with people, people are, are recognizing me too, and, and, you know, sometimes they're surprised, they're like, oh, okay, we have a, when we get a couple calls that I've been to, um, they see me and they're like, oh, you speak Spanish, and now we start interacting in yeah. Spanish, and they're, they're still shocked that, you know, there's the Spanish-speaking officers, so. So it's only been a couple of months, have you, have you had occasion to go on a call where you interacted with somebody that you previously worked with at the EFC? I've seen a couple survivors. Okay. Yes, and, and we do have that contact. Uh, I haven't spoken to them because it's not that type of call that I need right. to intervene. But uh, but yes, I have seen them. All right. So we've spoken to some of your classmates, and your um, your academy experience was unique, different, right? In the pandemic class, mm -hmm. uh, what was the most challenging aspect for you of going to the academy during the pandemic? Um. I 
that's a hard question because I think everything was everything was hard. <laughs> yes, that was a new experience, and you know, I might look fit, but it was a different type of fit at the academy. So even the physical part was challenging. Um, you know, it's sleeping three hours a night, it's starting and starting for me. Once again, it was you know I had to double study, triple right. study sometimes. So so I feel like the whole thing was uh, challenging. So. I want to. I just want to touch on something that you said. So you were fit, right? You go to the gym, you work out, you're active, you play sports. But you go to the academy. It's it's a different type of fitness, right? And it's not it's not functional fitness, CrossFit fitness. It's operational fitness, right? So, um, just, you know, very briefly, what, what was what was different about that? What what types of exercises and activities did you have to engage in, in the academy that you you weren't operationally fit for? Um, hmm. brings me back to certain memories. <laughs> um, I just, you know, inducing stress and, and being able not to utilize your, your, your muscles, but also like your brain, uh, you know. It, so I, I just, I'm, I'm curious because I, as when I was a staff instructor, would see this all the time, big, strong, fit people. The first couple of days we get them into defensive tactics and you got a vest on and you got your belt on and. For, for the first time in your life, maybe you're not allowed to let your hands fall below your waist. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly got this isometric tension in your arms and your shoulders. If Officer Gaynor was there, she's got you screwing light bulbs in um, right, to make sure that your hands stay up. And then you start doing um, the either groundwork or ground stabilizations, and you've got to engage your core throughout the entire evolution, which, you know, it's one thing to be doing crunches and flutter kicks. It's another thing to be trying to maintain posture. Well, you've got a squirming person on the ground underneath you. Uh, and you know, when I train jujitsu, I say this all the time. The only way to get fit for jujitsu is train jujitsu. The only way to get fit for DT is do DT. Um, it, some of this gym stuff doesn't cross over. Mm-hmm. So what was the best part about being in the academy? What was your favorite takeaway? That's another hard question because it was a new experience for me and I enjoy it all. Although it was challenging, I enjoy it all. It's, it's unique. Looking back, even now, it's, it's you know, I have a lot of smiles and a lot of, you know, great moments. Um, once again, it's a unique opportunity and, and I'm glad I graduated. And um, I, once again, it's just a lot of good memories, you know. I'm going to have to call Director Wachowski and Officer Mungin and tell them that need to tighten it up. Yeah. These kids are having too much fun. <laughs> so much joy. So, it's making me uncomfortable. Way too much joy coming out of the academy. <laughs> After the academy, during the academy, I was... Uh, <laughs> it's stressful. It's stressful, right? yeah. Um, yeah, it, we talked about that. It's And when you're in the academy, everybody that's in your life is in the academy with you, right? You're, you're sleep deprived. You've got homework. You've got to prep your uniforms and your gear. You got to, you know, stay connected with your classmates. And if you go with a group like we sent you down with, you got to look out for one another. It's, it's a cultural shift. It's completely different. Right, so you're two months into field training. I am. Getting ready to rotate into phase three. So who, who have you worked with? So you got Officer Doris, your phase two field training officer. Who's your phase? Who's your primary? Uh, officer Dayton. Officer Dayton is your primary. Yes, sir. You did pretty well with the two of them. Do you know who you're rotating to Sunday? Yes, sir. Officer Batters. Officer Betters, also an outstanding field training officer. I've heard Officer Betters a little demanding. <laughs> I've heard he's a little demanding. I heard he might be the new Officer Gainer. <laughs> I'm not trying to intimidate you. Oh, no, he's... listen, I will learn from them. You know, they're great people, great mentors, so sure. You know, I feel like that, that, that's helpful. Yeah, we try, to, we try to, you know, mix it up, but I think field training officers generally try to hold themselves amongst their peers to a higher standard, right? So you know, look out for 
look out for rating inflation or rating suppression in, in those uh, evaluations. He's only saying that we're great mentors because I'm staring at him intently. And you're within backhand range. Yeah, so, so many <laughs> options here. And we have uh, uh, five hours left. <laughs> um, so you got about six weeks of field training left, uh, phase three and shadow phase. What are you looking forward to the most in, in the rest of field training? Um, just the experience, you know, just uh, asking questions, you know, um, uh, I, I like to talk and ask like these questions, you know, all these what ifs, just so I can prepare myself the best I can and um, get the most out of the program. We're, we're getting ready to roll into spring in service, which we're going to get to shift back to in person. So you're going to get to go do your first in service rotation that's not remote and online. We got some cool stuff planned. We introducing some new equipment and some new tactics, refreshing some of our stuff with integration, integrating communications assessment and tactics. So that'll be interesting to see uh, the fresh perspectives you and your classmates bring to our reality-based training and our simulations. With the few seconds we have left, career-wise, what, what are your aspirations? What do you hope to accomplish in the Pittsfield Police Department? I would like to go back to school and uh, go up in the detective bureau if I can. Investigations, major crimes? Yes, sir. Okay. Cool. Brenna, anything we should know about your partner before we cut the two of you loose? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that be. I know. I, I'm going to leave it be. No, he's, he's so far so good. It's phase two, right? So I'm going to assume he's driving? Most of the time. Well... Most of the time. Uh, see, field training officers don't like to be passengers. That's Yeah, uh, we had to park it like it was hot yesterday and, and uh, switch seats, but he, we made he, it happen. Is he a good driver? No. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's safe, but good. It, it, it would be a different Is a that different just because you're a demanding driver? No. No, okay. So no, we, that's, we gotta, that's an accurate, not biased so observation. We have some evaluation. work to do there. Is he trainable? Yeah. No, he's safe. He's a safe. He's a, he's safe, a safe driver. driver. He's safe, everybody. But <laughs> as good is not the word I would use. No. Operationally, that that'll do. All right. So, uh, <laughs> what what shift are you going to? Uh, what, Sunday. What shift are you going to? Uh, B. Okay. So you can share this with Officer Batters, right? Uh, late night. You know, when it gets to be the end of Squad B, Dan Fox Drive. It's a good place to hit the lights and practice some of those skills and go out there and get some runs in. Straight line breaking. Straight <laughs> line breaking. You get, you get up into the industrial park and, and you can do some stuff in those parking lots. When I'm feeling a little sluggish, that's where I go practice. Cool. All right. So it's uh, 0931 on Friday, April 9th. We are going to release these officers back to patrol so that they can get back to work. Thanks for joining us this morning. Can I have one alibi, Chief? You absolutely can. It's my brother's birthday because every time I come here, it's somebody's birthday. Happy birthday to my brother. That is awesome. Is is he local or is he out in Arizona? He's uh in El he's uh in the grad program at Elmira. He's a baseball coach there. Awesome. Um, so he is going to be 25 with a master's degree because he wanted to show me right up. Um, yeah. So happy birthday, JoJo. Happy birthday, Jojo. I don't know that he showed you up. I was just reading your resume yesterday again. Um, I'm interested to know why, Chief. I'll tell you when I catch up with you later this afternoon. Sounds good. All right. Thanks oh, for coming in. When's the next family birthday so we know when they have to back on? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, I have so many kids at this rate. It could be any moment. But we, don't, we won't do that right now. All right. Let's get another check of the weather, some PSAs, and we'll come back for the second half of the show. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thank guys. you, Chief.
WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area, today, mostly sunny. Highs around 70. South wind around 5 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Lows in the upper 40s. South wind around 5 miles per hour. Saturday, mostly sunny. Highs in the lower 70s. Southwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Hi, this is Chief Michael Wynn of the Pittsfield Police Department. And Lieutenant Gary Traversa. The Pittsfield Police Department is encouraging anyone interested in becoming a Pittsfield Police Officer to register for the 2021 Municipal Police Officer Exam. As a civil service department, this is the first step required to join our team. We are seeking motivated, eligible individuals who desire a rewarding and adventure-filled career serving the residents of Pittsfield. Detailed application information is available on the web at mass.gov backslash civil service. The application deadline is April 20th with a late registration window open until May 4th. Exam fees range from $100 to $200. Candidates who pass the exam are placed on the eligible list and ranked by score. The Pittsfield Police Department will use that list to fill vacant positions in 2021 and 2022. So take the first step in joining the Pittsfield Police Department by going to mass.gov backslash civil service. We're back. We are <clears throat> back. So uh, we and the. That was a good uh, kind of preempt for the second half of the show, or at least our next guest. Our next guest. Um, Staff Sergeant Hunt from the Mass National Guard is joining us. Let's see if I can. Can you hear us, Sarge? I can hear you fine. Can All you right. hear me? We, we can, can Staff Sergeant. Good morning. Good morning to you. How are you today? So far, so good. I don't know what it's like in Pittsfield, but I'm out in Chicopee, and it's the brightest day of the year so far. I think it's probably the same here. I can't wait to get back. What are you doing in Chicopee? Uh, hanging out. Some training out here at Westover Air Force Base. Ah, awesome. All right. So for our viewers, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and listeners, uh, Staff Sergeant Hunt is, um, you, you kind of got a couple different roles within the guard, right? So you're the recruiter for Berkshire County. Correct. But you're also right now kind of like the officer in charge of the armory. That sort of happened by default, yes, because I'm technically the only one there. It's not an official <laughs> job, but as as the only one in uniform in that building, then I have become in charge. Previous OIC moved on, took a job somewhere else, so it kind of left you there, right? That's right, sir. And 
I so we we pandemic has kind of impacted this. We haven't spent nearly as much time at the armory as we had been in the past several years, but the National Guard Armory has been a great host for us, and we've done a lot of in-service training out there, and we actually have some training on the schedule that we'll be conducting out there. Um, we have a long-standing relationship with that guard unit, <clears throat> but I don't think many of our listeners and viewers are probably familiar. So it, it, when people think about the National Guard, so it, it, it's citizen soldiers, right? It, it's it's our Commonwealth's force and readiness, but the the Pittsfield unit is kind. Of, it's, uh, it's kind of unique, right? It's not like a, a combat arms unit. So what exactly is the function of our unit? Currently, there isn't one. The most recent occupants of that building, they were heavy equipment operators. We called them, uh, let's see, horizontal engineers. Okay. So that we had all the equipment. Uh, that unit's currently deployed in, and they're down on the border with okay. Mexico. And when they come back, they'll be relocating to another armory closer to the eastern part of the state. Do we know? So do we know if we're going to get another unit rotated out here? It's in the works. It's you know still rumors, but pretty close to being true um, that we're going to end up with an artillery battery out in Pittsfield, which is a much larger entity than than what used to be there. Interesting. So over the course of the time that I've been with the police department, we've interacted with the guard at the armory in a variety of capacities. And we've had engineering unit there, um, the heavy equipment unit there. I, I didn't think I'd ever see a day when we'd have an artillery unit there. That's, that's pretty fascinating because that is combat arms. Um, but we, we've also had just a, a great relationship of cooperation and you and Lieutenant Traversa have been working on setting up a new cooperative effort. So what do you guys got going on at the Armory coming up? Well, it's pretty exciting, I think. It's, it's for two reasons. One, it's the first in-person event any of us have had in over a year. But uh, I was surprised to learn that you guys were struggling with recruiting. And also, I am too. And it's hard to get in front of people. So we came up with doing an, an old-fashioned we're going to party like it's 2019 uh, career exposition where we'll be able to set up displays um, our armory has been recently renovated so we have that whole big space cleared out um, so it's the public service career expo hosted by the national guard there's about 10 departments that'll be represented on tuesday april 13th in the afternoon and evening from four to seven and it's, it's open, just like the old days. You can come talk to someone from the police department, the fire department, EMS. Um, the community college is going to be there to represent their criminal justice programs and their fire science programs. So everything kind of ties in. You know, if you're a young person that is looking for an education and a career in public service, you know, BCC is right here in our backyard. You can get trained and then they can speak to you about the steps that they would need to take to become a police officer. I am going to get so much extra credit. That's two BCC shout outs in one show. My wife is going to be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell so, the doctor I said hello. I will do that. So I was just, you know, kind of watching on the monitor where you were talking about the plan for who's going to be there and, you know, the fact that it is going to allow us to be in person. And I just realized while I was looking, you know, at the monitor sitting, you're sitting here watching you in your car, 
we've known each other for several years now. I, th- I think we met uh, when you kind of came downtown and took over the general store, right? Is that the first time we met? That would be it. Uh, this will be, I think this will be our sixth or seventh year uh, owning that space. Yeah, so when he's not working in a uniform, Staff Sergeant Hunt is a co-owner of the Berkshire General Store, where I have lunch several times a week. So. That's where I get my coffee card. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So, but what I realized as I was watching you speak is I don't actually, besides being a recruiter, I don't actually know anything about what you do in the guard. What's your MOS? What's your background and experience? I have, I have two. Uh, My background and experience, I, I, I joined the military right out of high school. I was in the Marine Corps, um, and I did was a combat engineer. So I did demolitions and and things like that uh, mostly for the infantry i got out fast forward 10 years i found a great way to save some money on my health insurance and that was through the national guard and i came in i came in actually as an air traffic controller into the guard that didn't work out i defaulted back to being a combat engineer and then i transferred and got retrained into heavy equipment so that i could be working out of pittsfield and be a little bit closer to home how long ago did you transfer over to heavy equipment in the in the guard? Great question. I think I started heavy equipment in 2013. Okay. So I I recently was uh, going through some documents in a the kind of like a stuffed drawer of just personal stuff in my office and I came across a letter and some photographs that had been mailed to me at the office by a prior service guardsman and uh lieutenant you were with us do you remember when we went up to taconic with the local unit to run them through room room clearing routes and exercises so they they sent me the pictures that they took that day and i it was recently looking at them and uh staff sorry i don't think you were with the unit at that point but they were so the pittsfield unit was getting ready to deploy they were going to go overseas and they had been told that they were going to be going to a, a heavily built up, pretty hot area. But because of the training cycle they were on and the training rotation they were on, they weren't eligible to go get the mount training before they left. So um, we had some guardsmen at the time who were also SRT members. So we figured, okay, if, if they're not going to get it before they go overseas, we'll do what we can. So we spent a full day working with them at Taconic doing room clearing exercises. It was pretty cool. That's exciting. Was that back in 2010-ish? Probably, yeah. yeah. I, still, I, was, I, was, I was sniffing around that unit back yeah. then, but I wasn't a member. Yeah. I still remember the poor guy that had to carry the saw room to room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if you're the, the smallest guy has to carry the biggest weapon. <laughs> that, that's right. If you're small of stature, then you're going to end up being a big gunner, right? So the squad automatic weapon is, is it's not... It's not light. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you mentioned um, police, fire. We, we confirmed PFD is going to be there Tuesday? We did. Okay. And sheriff's office? Oh, I forgot about them. Yeah, the sheriff's, sheriff's department office. is going to be there. Um, I know at least county ambulance. I've invited action ambulance. Okay. So, And then BCC, criminal justice, and fire science. That's, that's pretty exciting. Um and then, of course, the Mass National Guard, right? And you Yeah, know. we'll be there. The state police will be there. And then uh, representatives from the Mass Trial Court, 
the um, probation department, and there will be some representatives from the district attorney's office as well. Awesome. I think the goal with that was to show that, you know, a lot of people go into criminal justice, but there's other things you can do besides being a police officer. Lots of things you can do besides being a police officer. So, you know, you're you're very generous and, and graciously agreeing to invite us to participate in this. But, you know, I, I want to make sure that we give you adequate time to do your primary job, which is, you know, talk about and recruit for the Mass National Guard. Um you know, Mass National Guard is an amazing organization, first in the nation, right? Um, great history, unbelievable opportunities for diverse occupational specialties. So just plug the guard for a little bit. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> um, it's interesting you, you mentioned the history because I think that's my favorite thing about the National Guard is our history. Like, America started in Massachusetts. People forget that. But, you know, four of the oldest units in the U.S. military arsenal are in the Massachusetts National Guard. Their their lineage dates all the way back to the 1600s, including the 101st Field Artillery, which is one of the units that's going to be located in Pittsfield here, uh, hopefully in the next couple of years. So I'm really excited about that. But the National Guard has been, it's been an incredibly busy year. If you've watched even five minutes of television, you've seen the National Guard pretty much everywhere. And we've been working right alongside with, with you, with the Pittsfield Police Department. We've done everything over the last year from logistics. We were bringing a PPP out to you very early on about this time last year. The National Guard has staffed entire nursing homes when you know the, the residents got sick, the staff got sick. Then the National Guard was able to come in and basically manage and run that nursing home while the staff recovered. Uh, so that you know, required all of our medical personnel to be out there. You stood up testing we, sites. Yeah, we've testing sites. We've got people out right now doing uh, vaccinations. What else has been going on? Security. We had uh, been called out to some of the larger cities, Boston, Worcester area, for to provide additional security. We've got 400 people or something right now down in Washington, D.C. Uh, in fact, the general that's in charge of that operation is actually for from Massachusetts. He's a uh, General Driscoll from Springfield. Um, and the Massachusetts National Guard is, we're a part-time organization. We're a part-time department of the Army. We go to the same training, same schools as the active duty Army, but then we come home, we serve part-time locally for the most part in the community, and that allows us to serve the country and serve the Commonwealth simultaneously. You can go to school, you can work on your civilian pursuits, whether it be in law enforcement, fire department, or anything you want to do, you can do both at the same time. And there's some great benefits that come along with that. You know, we have very affordable health care for people who are interested in that. Education is our biggest benefit. A member of the National Guard can go to any state school for pretty much nothing. Uh, we have a 100% free tuition and fee college to any of the state schools. So that includes in Berkshire County, MCLA, BCC, We've got Worcester State is close by, but even you know UMass is a pretty big school, um, and a guards person can go there for for zero dollars essentially. That's amazing. So I'm currently uh, I'm currently reading a book, which is a compilation of stories uh, in this particular case about female soldiers. And I recently listened to a podcast where they interviewed a Marine Corps reservist, and it had never in my life occurred to me. Um, 
you know, so if you're if you're in the reserve or you're in the guard and you get activated and you're on active duty, you go and you do your job for however long that activation or that deployment is. But if you're in your guard status or your reserve status and you're doing your one weekend a month, two weeks a year, you have to transition into military life and out of military life 13 times a year, right? You put on the uniform, get the haircut, report, get back to standing tall, standing at attention, pop two, and then you know, two weeks later, 48 hours later, you got to go back to whatever it is you do in your regular life. That's got to be incredibly difficult. It's one of the biggest challenges. I think uh, you have to be a chameleon essentially and have the ability to adapt almost at a moment's notice. Um, for the most part, any big event that's going to happen, if you're going on a year long deployment, you typically have time to prepare for that. But Things like natural disasters or, or even, you know, incidents like at the Capitol, like you have to be prepared to drop what you're doing and be able to respond at a moment's notice. And that's another interesting thing. Going back to the 1600s when the National Guard was developing, you know, the, that basic concept is still the same today. You know, they were farmers, doctors, uh, bookstore owners, and when the bell rang, they dropped what they were doing. They picked up their muskets and they went down to the, the town square, the village green. And you know, essentially we still, we still do that today, the, almost 500 years later. This is the proud history in Massachusetts of the Minutemen. And, you know, if we're going to do a Saturday morning schoolhouse rock thing, it's get your powder, get your gun, report to General Washington. That was the call, right? It's, right. Something is happening. Your community needs you. Grab your gear and go. Uh, and like you said, we've, we're still doing that 500 years later. Uh, I, I want to parse out something that I don't think enough of our um, Massachusetts residents are aware of, particularly about the Massachusetts National Guard, but National Guard units all over the place. So the, you said that we've got several hundred guards personnel down in D.C. right now um, supporting security operation in the aftermath of January 6th. And. I don't know, I don't remember how many companies there are, but the Massachusetts National Guard military police companies are a sizable component of, of our guard presence. And I know some of them deployed immediately um, because of the, of the need for increased security in the, in the Capitol. But one, I, was in a, I was teaching a supervisory class uh, recently for some New England newly promoted New England police supervisors and some of the students weren't aware. So in Massachusetts, uh, I don't know if it's a hundred percent right now, but I know several years ago, our military, our Massachusetts national guard, military police officers were cross-trained. I think it was under the direction of general Carter. Uh, and they completed the municipal police training committee reserve intermittent course so that they had Massachusetts peace officer status which was first in the nation. We were the first uh, state to do that. And what it allows us to do is in the event of a declared emergency, I, as the chief of police, can swear in a guard MP as a local police officer with no additional training required. That's an amazing capability and flexibility. That's pretty unique. Yeah, the... Um, I don't. I know that at the time that they were doing it in Massachusetts, we were running the the already certified MPs through the the Reserve Intermittent Academy here to get that done. But then, what I was told, and I think it's still in case, is that they essentially added elements of our curriculum to the MP school, 
so that when you finish uh, MP school, which I think is in Texas, um, if you come back here, you, you essentially can be certified as a police officer. That's pretty cool. All right, Staff Sergeant, we're, uh, we only got a few minutes left. What else do you want to share with our listeners and viewers about uh, the Guard in general and our in-person Human Resources Expo to be held on Tuesday? Well, I think if I could share anything, I would just try to encourage people, anybody that's even thinking or has the slightest bit of interest in public service, this is a great opportunity. Um, everybody that I've talked to, all these different departments, they're, they're hiring they're good jobs in Berkshire County, um, and the National Guard can help you achieve whatever goals you're trying to achieve in life. But I, th- I want to just ask this to you guys because I, I believe a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people from outside of Pittsfield. So as far as getting jobs in Pittsfield, you've made it pretty far down on the civil service list. So even a non-resident still has a chance to get hired in the city. Is that true? Absolutely. So we, the current, the current background check process, we're looking at a requisition for six, uh, which is smaller than we would like. And we know that with upcoming retirements and resignations, that that's barely going to keep us um, on pace with staffing. And what do we have? 17, 17 names on the list that we got earlier this week uh, the requisition no the the demographic list that hr sent uh 21 21 so if our requisite if our current requisition is for six and we don't fill it and we know that we only have 21 city applicants right now um basically doing the math we we need a minimum of 13 qualified people to fill a requisition of six uh so if this pattern continues with 21 city residents, we're never going to have enough people to do a follow-on requisition. So it will be outside of the resident list in the first, in the first go through. And that's, I mean, that's bad news for you, but it's good news for anyone else in Berkshire County. So I would, you know, if you're living in Beckett or up in Adams, don't be afraid to come and visit with the Pittsfield city police department because there's a high probability that they're going to be going outside the city to fill these vacant slots. Yeah, absolutely. It's a sure thing. Yeah. Um, just in the couple minutes we have, so you were mentioning, you know, coming to check out all of these opportunities. I just, I, I literally just finished while I was in the parking lot submitting my final exam for a course that I was completing on labor law. And one of the, one of the elements we spent a lot of time on in labor law was uh, USERA. And so the federal law about employers' obligations to make sure that you protect the, the jobs of um, service people, active duty and reserve and guard service people, if they're activated and, and how people return. And if you're going to come to the expo on Tuesday, don't come in with a, a singular focus, right? Because it's entirely possible to enlist in the guard and serve a, a fruitful guard career and be a police officer or a firefighter or a court officer. Um, we don't have that many guardsmen or reservists in the department right now. I think we're down to a handful. When I came on, it was it was a bunch. Um, but we're very proud to support our, our men and women who are um, 
serving in, in any branch of the service, whether it be the National Guard, we've got Coast Guard, um, I think we've still got one reservist, Air Guard. So, you know, all of this is a possibility, and people manage to have fruitful careers in public service and public safety with their local government and complete military service at the same time. So think broadly. I appreciate that, Chief, because it's, it's hard enough to do this job, so it makes a big difference having a supportive employer uh, on the other end, someone that understands what what is needed by the individual soldiers. You know, and we get incredible benefit from bringing our, our service people back to work with the experiences that they obtain while they're completing their guard and reserve obligations. I just had a conversation yesterday, I think it was, with uh, Captain Kirchner. And so we have one sergeant, Sergeant Williams. Um, he's a Coast Guard reservist, and he's in, a, he's in the Coast Guard law enforcement, maritime law enforcement program. He was recruited to the Coast Guard because he was a police officer. And so he, I'm not going to say he's limited duty, but he only does enforcement activities, not doing like bosun activities over there. Um, but he's, he's a team leader on a boarding party. He's like a maritime professional, and he wasn't serving with our boat unit. And that doesn't make any sense, right? You have all this training. Yeah, so we got to find the find the round hole for that round peg. Um, since the boat's being repaired, we got to get it back out there. So the have Sergeant Williams run some training and some drills. Before we uh, we let the staff sergeant go, I just want to thank him for being so accommodating with uh, this upcoming event because. You know, he threw it out there. I think it was an email, Chief, that you had forwarded. That, and, um, you know, I responded and said, you know, that's a great idea. I'd love to do it, but we have some time constraints because of the timing of the test and applications. And um, Staff Sergeant Hunt said, it's all right, let's do it. We'll, we'll make it work. Plan it quickly and we'll get it done. So. Well, the Staff Sergeant mentioned that the armory was just renovated, right? So we, I think Officer Gaynor and I were out there probably three or four weeks ago to look at the space and make sure that, you know, with the changes and the repairs that we're going to be able to work there. We've got, I don't know, a handful of different things that were that are on the calendar right now that we're going to be holding out there. And if we didn't have this relationship with the, the local guard and the local armory, a lot of the training that we've done in the last several years would have been impossible because if we didn't have the opportunity to have the classroom with the drill hall, with the, the rear parking lot, we just couldn't get it done. Um, so we're incredibly thankful for your hospitality and your generosity. Well, I'd like to think of, we're all in this together. You know, we're, we're community partners. Absolutely. All right. Well, someone space. Hopefully I'll, uh, I'll see you downtown when I grab some lunch or some ice cream. Will I see you Tuesday? Uh, it's quite possible if I don't get called uh, out of town. So we'll see what happens. That's great. I just was making some notes. If you have a few seconds, I thought of one other thing, too, about this event specifically. We have about 10. Great. You can All three of our entities work together. You can come in through the guard. You can go to BCC for free and get trained in police or fire. And then all those people will be there to talk to, and it's a feeder system. That's perfect. We're going to wrap up with that, which means that Great. I failed in my promise to cultural development, but I'll get done next time. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. We'll be back next week with another new episode. For now, we're 10-8.